Welcome to the Double Docs Podcast, a podcast devoted to exploring the MDPC journey of UCLA Caltech med students. In this podcast, we share our views and discuss things we find interesting. These are not meant to be recommendations or medical advice. These are solely our opinions and experiences and not representative of those views expressed by any affiliate institution. We started this podcast in order to introduce people to MDPhD programs, provide insight on how to apply, talk about what the journey looks like, and what your career options look like afterwards. So one, I think, common consideration that might come up when picking a lab is like lab size. Um, and I think that's oftentimes something that people look at is as, do I want to join a lab that's small or big? Mm-hmm. And maybe we can talk some, about some of the pros and cons um, when weighing that. That's a great topic, actually, yeah. that I wasn't thinking about for this episode. <laughs> but um, no, I think that's a great topic because my first lab was when I joined a sort of heavily postdoc dominated lab. They were asking the questions. They were. Um, presenting at lab meetings more regularly than the three grad students. Um, for me, that wasn't like the greatest environment to be in because it sort of felt like being an amateur boxer in, in like, I don't know, boxing, like a professional <laughs> arena. <laughs> um, and then my, my second lab was pretty much all grad student driven. We had one postdoc who was super helpful, by the way. Um, <laughs> and the, the grad students there, it was it was good for me to see their struggle in like grad student life and, and just research in general and how they approached presenting to a PI or talking about their own research with other PIs. Um, and I think that aspect of the lab, like a smaller postdoc driven lab versus a larger grad student driven lab, um, is a question that you should ask yourself pretty early on because when you have to start thinking about labs to rotate in for your PhD, or even allowed to join for your PhD, um, you want to find the best environment for you, one that makes you feel like you're contributing to the discussion, um, and one that makes you feel like at the end of your PhD or, or your whatever you choose to do, that you felt like you were a, a, a principal contributing member to the lab, and that you're taking away useful skills and knowledge that you can bring to your next place of employment or your next research opportunity, wherever that is. I think just as one more thing to tag along, I love that, like, that was very thorough and provides a really good insight on what to, what things to think about kind of going into uh, choosing a lab. Another thing is with regards to faculty, sometimes more junior faculty, especially, um, you know, when they just, you know, join the institution, um, it's really nice because um, the lab is still small. They're very willing to spend a lot of time with you. but. On the flip end of things, you know, <laughs> at the same time, there's a lot of like responsibility that they'll they'll kind of give to you because it's a smaller group. Um, there's a lot of like those initial growing pains uh, with with the lab. So just something to keep in mind as you're you know exploring different lab um, environments. Yeah. I, I will say there's a caveat to joining a new professor's lab. If you find yourself deciding on what printer to order. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best place to be as an undergrad with a limited amount of time to do things. Yeah. Um, but being in a new lab can be exciting. It can make you feel like you have more responsibility. Uh, and depending on who you are as a person, how much time you have between classes, you know, can be a really enriching opportunity. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it can definitely go both ways. I started out in a much bigger setting, um, a bigger lab under a pretty well-established professor with kind of a fleet of grad students and research assistants at his disposal. Um, and there are definitely pros and cons to that. I think you do have a little bit, definitely less agency, but I think it was a good learning experience for me getting started, especially early in undergrad, because I could kind of see how the system worked. I had enough oversight to feel like, you know, I could ask people questions and like I wasn't, um, you know, that I could be a part of it um, and really learn from this bigger kind of system. And then after that moved on to working with a smaller team where I felt like I already had the skills developed in order to make a meaningful contribution um, and not slow down the smaller team. Um, so I think really getting a little bit of experience with both can be helpful. Yeah, I'll say I had a very similar experience to Sarah in the, the lab that I worked in uh, was like a very large lab. Um, and so I think that comes with like natural pros and cons that I think that have been brought up. So um, naturally in a large lab, the PI has less time to spend on each particular person, right? Just because there's, there's only so much time the PI has. Um, and so if you want to have face-to-face -face time with the PI, that's a lot less likely in a, in a larger lab, usually. Um, it's not always the case, but it can be. Um, and so uh, I think that's like one of the cons, one of the potential cons. Um, that being said, like oftentimes uh, you really want to make sure you get good mentorship from either your grad student or the postdocs you're working with. Because um, oftentimes in those settings, they will be like your main mentor. Um, and so, you know, I had wonderful mentors in, in, that, in that large lab, I think, which made the experience uh, a lot better. Um, I think one of the pros of being in a, in a large lab is usually if, if the lab is large, you're probably pretty well funded. That means there's a lot of opportunities to do really interesting research. And, and oftentimes, like they, those labs can take a little bit higher risks in certain projects just because they have the funding and sort of like the, the leeway, I guess I should say, um, to pursue those higher risk projects. So there can be some really, really interesting science um, that can go on in those labs just because of the funding situation. Um, so I think that's a, that's a, that's a pro. Um, but also, I think you have to be aware, like sometimes those high risk projects don't necessarily turn out uh, as successful as you would have hoped. Uh, and so that's something to look out for. But I think uh, in, in any case, I think just being able to participate in, the, in those high risk projects, I think is something that's really interesting. And one of, one of the questions, this is a great segue. Um, one of the questions that um, you know, I, I was thinking about kind of during undergrad um, is like, how do you decide upon you know, exploring multiple labs? Do you stick with one lab during the course of your undergrad? Um, I, I'm curious if you guys have any insight with regards to, you know, how does one explore research opportunities in their undergrad while also showing commitment to like, you know, staying with one group, kind of seeing research through, um, ultimately publishing, of course, but um, yeah. I'll start. Um, I was in two labs in my undergrad. Uh, I didn't really have a plan when I first joined the lab on whether I would, uh, you know, stick with them long term or switch after the semester ended. Um, but once I got to know the people in the lab and like work a little bit on actual projects and, and experiments, I found myself, you know, wondering whether this was a place that I could contribute meaningfully. Uh, so I stayed with them for two years, and, and we did some really great work. Um, but ultimately at the end, I had uh, 
taken a few classes with some people who were telling me about their research um, and in like the independent research class where we had to give presentations on what we were working on in lab people were presenting on really cool stuff that I also wanted to do <laughs> um, and so I, I made the tough decision to switch to a different lab that was more in line with my own interests and what I could see myself doing in the future um, and, and when I told my PI that he told me a really sweet story, uh, Marty Chalfie. Uh, he was a swimmer in college, and eventually he decided he wanted to stop swimming. He was afraid to tell his coach, because, you know, athletes are pretty committed to the sport they play, and especially in a college sport. Uh, at a big day institution, you've sort of made that commitment. Uh, but the coach sat him down and told him he's not an indentured servant. He's free to make whatever choices and decisions he wants to make in order to make himself happy and fulfill his life's purpose. Uh, and he said to me, undergrads are definitely not indentured servants. Once you get into grad school, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of make a have to, you kind of have to make a more permanent decision there. Uh, but in, it, your undergrad is supposed to be a time of exploration. If you find one lab that works for you for all four, eight years, however long it takes you to graduate, um, good for you. It, just make sure that you are actively you know, looking at other opportunities or looking at other modes of research fields to make sure that there's not something else that you would prefer to work on. Um, that doesn't mean you have to, you know, join 50 labs or even rotate in a semester. But uh, just really take the time to think about, like, you know, what you want in the lab, what you want in your own research, what you see yourself doing in the future. Yeah, I would say... Um... I would say, like Dimitri said, just follow your curiosity, right? Like if you follow your curiosity and you find yourself in a place that you really love being in, like there's definitely no harm staying there. Um, and if you're in a lab and you feel like you're just not uh, entirely committed or you don't feel that interested in the work that's being done, it's completely okay to, to change your lab. And I think the way that I like to think about it, and I, I think I got this advice from, um, I forget if, if it was one of the MSTP directors or someone one of my mentors who had sort of um, worked on admissions panels in the past is like, um, these programs really think about their applicants in terms of either their research potential or their sort of research track history. Mm -hmm. And so I think how this relates to, you know, switching labs or staying in labs for a long time is that, you know, if you stay in a lab for a really long time, I think you're able, you have the opportunity to prove that you have a track record of doing good research and then you can uh, contribute meaningfully to a research lab um, and so that can be really helpful. But at the same time, uh, an important thing that they weigh is this idea of research potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that what that really means is like, how well do you understand your research field? How well can you pick up information and sort of formulate that into ideas and questions that are really interesting? And that's something you can definitely learn even by, and probably more so by uh, having experience in different labs and sort of understanding how science works in different situations. Um, so I think, you know, there's not really, I wouldn't push applicants towards one or the other. Like, I think, you know, uh, if you need to take time to explore, definitely do so. Um, but I think there's also benefit in, in showing commitment and staying in a lab. I would say, I would say, you know, a good rule of thumb is, you know, at least have a year or two of lab experience in any particular lab, just so you have enough time to have learned um, sort of what's going on in that field and in that lab. Um, but uh, I think it's completely okay to, to take your time and, and rotate too. I like that. I really like that last point. Yeah. Um, 
in that like you know what a lab is working on and you, you could talk about like what you did but also you know what the lab works on in general mm-hmm. even in my last lab i was there for quite a while <laughs> i still don't know what one grad student was working <laughs> on <laughs> something about long non-coding rnas i never really picked that up um, but i could say that he was working on something interesting and meaningful in regards to breast cancer uh can't tell you much more than that <laughs> But, it, but it's so true. I, I completely agree, Daniel. I feel like it, it's definitely um, critical to show consistency, but at the same time, weigh that with the importance of kind of exploring. And, you know, especially for during the first few years of undergrad, I feel like it's it's critical for students to kind of explore different research opportunities um, and kind of see what they want to do with, you know, the rest of their life. Um, although, again, nothing is, is determined. You, know, you, you have the flexibility of choosing later on as well. Um, but I, th- I think what's Im- important in all of this is to kind of show that, look, I'm willing to commit to a project. I'm willing to, to kind of pose questions and go through that process. Um, you know, how do I deal with failure in research that comes up? Um, kind of to show a consistent track record, which I really um, appreciate you bringing up. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's it's so critical, especially during the early phases of, of exploring research. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that undergrad is a very unique time where you have the opportunity to do, um, to explore more than um, you can once you're starting your PhD. Not that you can't explore, you know, at any point in your life, but um, I think it it is a really unique window of time where you can um, explore different areas and fields. And so I wouldn't um, feel like you necessarily have to lock yourself into anything um, at the undergrad stage. And um, even if you do um, work in different labs or um, do something different over the summer, or maybe even work um, outside of pure academic research, um, you know, those skills, you might be able to draw those together um, in unexpected ways. Um, because when um, I was writing my master's thesis, I ended up um, using models that actually drew on both micro and macroeconomics. So I was really glad that I had some research experience in both. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be afraid to um, explore a little bit while you're an undergrad. Yeah. I think the key is just being very intentional and meaningful with your time. Yeah. So it's okay to explore, but make sure like when you actually are in the, in the setting of the lab, um, to be very meaningful with your time and, and make sure you're learning as much as possible. Yeah. And like Sarah said, I think uh, one really powerful thing about being in, in different settings is learning different skills and techniques that you can combine together to make some really interesting work. Um, and so uh, like one of the experiences that I had later on in undergrad was this computational uh, neurotechnology project that I was working on. And a lot of the skills I learned in that project, I could actually apply to the basic science research that I was doing. Um, and so that's like a really useful thing that you can get out of um, having these different research uh, experiences. I love that, that idea of like cross-pollination, mm. um, you know, That's taking the, the various experiences you've had and kind of using that to, to inform some of the, because the thing is this, right, you know, research is exploring things that we just don't know. And unfortunately, sometimes we just don't have the tools to be able to do that. But when you start stringing together, and I love how, the way you put it, Sarah, kind of past experiences, using that to kind of inform new ways of approaching that project, I think brings about very interesting solutions that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten if you hadn't approached it from this very interdisciplinary uh, approach. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one um, experience that really sticks with me in research was I remember being asked to complete a task. And when I was done, um, I showed it to my supervisor and kind of asked, did I do it right? And he was like, what do you mean? Did you do it right? Like, this is just how, how you do it. There's yeah. not like an answer to the question. It's not like, you know, a test question where there's a right answer. It's just however you do it, just make sure it works um, and try to do it in the best way possible. You're coming up with a, with a new answer. So I think that perspective was sort of a, or it was sort of a turning point in my perspective. Um, mm. And I really appreciated that. I absolutely love that story. That just brings me to my like final point before I need to leave. As an undergrad, you need to push for one-on-ones with your PI or, no, with your PI, not with your grad student, not with your postdoc, you talk to them all the time. With your PI, because when you are forced to sort of sit down, explain what you did, why you did it, what your interpretation of your results are, um, the first few times you're gonna stumble, you're gonna fail, your slides are gonna be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as you, you know, mature as an undergrad um, and progress towards applying for your, your to an MSTP um, or MD-PhD program, you have developed a skill set of, you know, presenting your work in a way that makes sense to others who may not be working on the same things or thinking about your work as often as you think about it uh, when you're the only one working on that project. Um, and I think the, like that's the main takeaway from your undergrad, maturing into an efficient, semi-efficient, knowledgeable scientist. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think that's a great um, sort of target to aim for is, is uh, being able to be independent in, in your work uh, towards the end of your undergrad. Um, you know, having enough agency to think about research problems that are interesting, uh, knowing sort of the techniques or tools or skills that you need to really answer that question um, and then being able to analyze and, and present your results. Um, I think having a very good uh, exposure and sort of uh, maybe even mastery of that whole process, I think, is what um, can be really helpful when you're applying for these programs because it really shows um, that you spent enough time in the lab um, to sort of know the whole pipeline of these things. So next episode, we'll hopefully be exploring the first year of med school and kind of how that's been for us. Um, tragic. Tragic. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you guys are listening in and think of any interesting questions that you would like to ask, please email us at doubledocspodcast at gmail.com or reach out over social media. 